Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. Get ready for your life to be changed by today's message from Pastor Jeremiah Hosmer. Mark chapter 10, I'm going to change it up a little bit on you today. Uh, I've been preaching on the, se- the series uh, on the Holy Spirit, and Lord willing, I will be back on that uh, next Sunday. But I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me uh, to come in and preach uh, what I'm about to preach today. And uh, I believe that the Lord's going to, I know the Lord's going to minister uh, through it in the name of Jesus. And so we're going to begin uh, in Mark chapter 10. Now I've been in a series on Wednesday night and it's called Discipleship and Resisting Cultures. And uh, I was going to preach this Wednesday night. And the Lord said, put your notes away, stand up and start reading from this point in the scripture and I'll give you what to say. And so I stood up and just began to preach under the anointing of the Lord. And I think, I I mean, I think we ended up getting out here about 11 o'clock, was it, Pastor Jason? 1130. I know many had already left, but but God just kept on moving through the prophetic. And uh, and so I didn't preach that whole time now. (laughs) I I probably can under the anointing, but I didn't. Uh, But but so. Uh, anyway, the Lord said, this message is for this Sunday. And so I said, yes, sir, let's do it. Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Listen to what the Bible says today. And Peter began to say to him, Lord, we have left all to follow you. Now, he, he, he was saying, God, I, I'm telling you, we've done made some sacrifices for the kingdom. And listen to what it, Jesus said. Surely I say to you, There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children's and lands. He said, it's going to come with some persecution. He said, but it'll also come with some eternal life in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, we, I'm telling you, listen now, if you, if you feel a religious devil leave you in a little while, it ain't nothing but the Holy Ghost. It's nothing but the Holy Ghost kicking that out of you so he can bless you in the name of the Lord. Uh, all right, so uh, I tell you what, let's go over to, uh, you know what, and if you want to write down, if you want to write down for your reading sake later, later Matthew 25. 14 through 29 it is the parable of the of the uh, uh, the servants who were given talents and some were some two of the three that were given the talents uh, they went and multiplied them and one went and hit them and, and and Jesus was saying for the ones who multiplied them he was saying take from the one who didn't do nothing with what he got and give it to the ones who are willing to multiply it amen Now we're going to go over, I want to read one passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 today. And uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, the Bible says that he who comes to God must believe that he is. Now watch this, and that he is a rewarder. I, I need somebody to shout, my God is a rewarder he said he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him to those who diligently seek him 
I'm going to read it one more time, but without faith. See, I'm, now we're going with the whole thing. But without faith. See, we're going to twist it back around. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. How many want to please him? Say in Jesus' name. The faith I have today is the smallest it'll ever be. Glory. Hallelujah. Oh, I felt the power of God hit this place then. Come on, say it one more time. In Jesus' name, the faith I have today is the smallest it will ever be. Yeah. Yeah, praise the Lord. He has given you a measure, but it ain't to stay a measure. It's to get bigger. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. I'm going to preach from the subject title for a moment today. The rewards of discipleship. The rewards of discipleship. I'm going to say it one more time. The rewards of discipleship. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I am gathered together with with your people. They are blessed and highly favored, cleansed by the blood of your son, Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost. And Lord, they are such a great people that without you, I cannot lead them in any way. But but by your wisdom and your knowledge and by your spirit, oh God, all things are possible if we believe. And so today, Father, in the name of Jesus, I decree and declare the kingdom of God to be at hand right now. And Lord, I decree and declare that all that comes with the kingdom of God to manifest in this service today. And Lord, I pray, look upon my availability and not my ability today. And I pray, grant me a prophetic utterance into, so that I may preach and speak and teach into the hearing of your people so that revelation may explode. And so that, Lord, that we may learn the ways of Christ and learn how to obey them, Father. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for this right now. And I give you glory and praise. I decree and declare the rivers of God to move mightily in this house right now. In the name of Jesus. And I thank you for it. And everybody say amen. Before you're seated today, by faith, look at five people and tell them a reward is on this way. A reward is on this way. A reward is on this way. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, let me say this before we go any further, because I'm one of them preachers. I'll get to preaching and ministering, and I'll forget about it. I told Pastor Jason not to let me forget about it, but I stood up Wednesday night and said, if you know anybody that's sick, if you know anybody that's got diseases, if you know anybody that needs a miracle, you get them here this Sunday, and in the name of Jesus, we're going to lay hands on them, and they're going to receive. So we're going to do that at the end of the service, but we're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ first. And then we're going to see miracles happen. Say amen to that. Matter of fact, give the Lord a praise for three seconds if you believe it. You might have to have faith for your neighbor this morning. Hallelujah. But I still believe Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Now, let me set this up just for a moment. One of Satan's oldest tricks that he works against the people of God is this right here. To convince the children of God that he is that God is not a rewarder. This is what brings about performance relationship. 
that you begin to believe that God is not a rewarder. When in all, when in all truth, he says, if you come to me, you got to believe that I am. Now watch this. And you have to believe that I am a rewarder. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please me. But these are two things that if you're going to come to me, these are two things that I require of you. That I am and that I am a rewarder. We're going to kick some religious devils up out of here today. Even though this, this, this part of his strategy is it's, it's not the end game of his scheme. Watch this. His goal is to ultimately, ultimately get you to believe. Now, I want you to write this down, tweet it, whatever you got to do to remember it. But the goal of Satan ultimately is this, to get you to view God as a taker and not a giver. This is the reason why he, want, he deceives people into believing that God don't reward nobody. And that poverty is some kind of gift from heaven. We're going to talk about that in October, Lord willing. It ain't no gift from heaven. It's a gift from Satan. I said it's a gift from the devil. Hallelujah. He try, he, his goal is to get you to believe that God is a taker and not a giver. This tactic, this strategy, this scheme, we can find all the way back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. It was his first attack that we have recorded against mankind. Watch this. He came to Adam and Eve and began to twist the word of God. Now watch this. He always does that. He takes a little bit of truth and twists it with a whole lot of deception. Oh, we're going to talk for a minute today. This is, what, this is his way of deceiving the saints. Uh, this is his way of getting them to believe what is not true. In other words, he deceives Eve into thinking that God is holding back from her what is good for her instead of God giving all that was good to her. He, he gets Eve to believe that the Lord is holding back from you because he doesn't want you to be the same as he is. And in all actuality, she was already made in his image. She was already made in his likeness. You need to understand something that Satan can't give you no more than you already have. But he gets her to believe that God is holding something back from her. That there's, that there's greener grass on the other side. Anytime you view God as a taker and not a giver, you will begin to put your hands on things that are not yours. I'm going to talk to you for a minute. You will begin to go after things that you're not supposed to go after. Because deep down inside, you're not thinking, you're not thinking that if I don't get it, uh, it, it you, well, this is what you're thinking. Deep down inside, you're saying, if I don't get it, if I don't make it happen, it'll never come to me. Who am I talking to? There's somebody in this house that the Lord is speaking to right now. That if I don't get out there and make it happen, it'll never come to me. And ultimately, deep down inside, what you're struggling with is you really don't trust that God is a giver because Satan has deceived you into thinking that he's already taken from you. If you're not careful, this will cause you to lose trust in the Lord, lack faith that he has your future in his hands, and ultimately view him as taking from your life instead of positioning you to add to your life. Once this mindset begins to set in and take root in your life, you ultimately begin to see the ministry through these eyes. In other words, you will see, what, you will see that what you do for the Lord is God taking from you instead of God adding to you. 
I've heard people say before, I won't get in the ministry anymore because I lost this in the ministry or it cost me this, but I came to tell you God is not a taker. God is a giver and the devil is a liar. This kind of thinking causes you to miss out on the benefits and the rewards of discipleship. It causes you to have a worldly view of being a disciple of Christ and making disciples of Christ. This is why two different people can be doing the same thing in the kingdom of God and one be miserable while the other be getting blessed. It's all about their attitude and their mentality and their heart towards the ministry. And one can say, I got to go to church. And the other say, I get to go to church. One can say, I got to go to a small group. And the other say, I get to go to a small group. One can say I have to go disciple people while the others say I get to go disciple somebody and one is being blessed while the other is in a miserable state it's all about your perception and you're believing God as a taker and not a giver and the Lord interrupted our Holy Spirit series to have me stop by and tell some of you that the devil is a uh, he's a liar He's a liar. The God we serve has always been and will always be a giver. Matter of a fact, when it came to redeem you and to cleanse you from your sin, he loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son that if you would believe in him, you didn't have to perish, but you could have everlasting life. He wanted me to tell you that there are great rewards to discipleship. And whether you're attending a group being discipled or whether you're leading a group and helping make disciples of God, God is a rewarder and great is your reward. Everyone in here, repeat after me. Say, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I will be, shout it, I will be rewarded for this. Yeah, I will be rewarded for this. Hallelujah. Look at your name and say, you have no idea. The reward is coming to you. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah, you have no idea. Now, if you're not involved, if you're not involved in being a disciple or making disciples, then you need to get involved. I'm not trying to see how many people I can get here on a Sunday morning in a group. I'm trying to get see how many soldiers I can build for the kingdom of God. But you can't be a soldier until you begin to understand that you have to be a disciple. Hallelujah. Why has the church viewed discipleship as optional? Optional, as if, as if Jesus made a suggestion and not a command. Jesus, this was no suggestion. The Bible, he said, I have commanded you to go make disciples and I will be with you. I feel like preaching now. And I will be with you even to the end of this age. So whatever you have need of, I will be right there by your side to provide it. But you have to be a disciple and go and make disciples. Glory be to God. So let's talk about some of the rewards of discipleship today. Number one, I don't know how far we're going to get through this. I hope I get through most of it, though. Family miracles. Everybody say family miracles. Family miracles. So, I didn't hear nobody on the first half of it. We're hope forms that say family miracles. There you go. 
Y'all know y'all can't sleep on me. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do what that guy said do. I'm gonna wire up those electrocuting things in the bottom of your seats. And I'm <coughs> JK, L-O-L-W-T-W. Number one, family miracles are a reward of discipleship. Family miracles are a reward of discipleship. They are a reward of those who make disciples, and they are a reward of those who are involved in discipleship. Mark chapter 1 and verse 16, watch this. As, they, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting their net into the sea, and they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Watch this. As soon as they had come out of the synagogue, this is in Mark 1, 29, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once, and she came or he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and immediately the fever left her and she served them. When Peter said yes to follow Jesus, when Peter said yes to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, it isn't, isn't it amazing that not long after that he was in need of a family miracle. He was in need of God to show up some kind of way. And because of this commitment to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, that caused Jesus, watch this, to come into the presence of the family member who needed a miracle. I told you Wednesday night, I said, if you need a miracle, welcome God. God, God, God moves in miracles in the places that he's welcome. Watch this. I know some of you will say, well, probably, well, that would have happened anyway. Church, I beg to differ. Watch this, if Peter would have told Jesus, Jesus, I'm good, I got other stuff to do. What if Peter would have said, Jesus, listen, I tell you what, I'll be a good Christian, I'll come to church twice a month, and I'll tithe, and I'll, I, but I ain't, I'm just not, I don't have time for discipleship. I don't have time to become a disciple. I don't have time to make disciples. What if, what if Peter would have told Jesus this? Guess what, Peter's mother-in-law would have laid there sick because Jesus would not have entered into Peter's house. He would have entered into James and John's house. What I'm trying to tell some people is that when you get your eyes off of you and you put it on the kingdom of God, God produces family miracles all over. Somebody give the Lord a praise if you believe that right now. The amazing thing is, is that Peter does not know that he's in need of a miracle when he says yes to Jesus. But Jesus knows Peter's in a need of a miracle when he says yes. Isn't it amazing that when you are serious about the father's business, he gets serious about your business. I felt the convicting time then. What I'm about to say isn't very popular with the religious crowd because religious people like religious sayings that have no biblical foundation, but it makes them feel good. But when you place your focus, your affection, your time, your talents, and your energy on the kingdom of God, there is a special slash unique attention placed on you from heaven. Now hear that. When you truly place a special focus on the kingdom of God, which involves discipleship and making disciples, then, then God, the God of the kingdom, places a special focus on you. 
I didn't say you can make him love more. I just said you'll get his attention more. Pastor, I don't know if I believe that. I know because you was taught by religious people. I've got scripture for it. How about that? Facebook land, give me some clappy hands. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this other things, all these other things, all these other things, all these other things shall be added to you. But when you get it mixed up and start seeking the things you don't get added to, it's something starts subtracting in your life. Hallelujah. Have you ever been around someone who just seemed to have the touch and the attention of heaven on them? It's like, I don't know what it is about them, but they just seem like heaven shines down on them everywhere they go. Mark that person, I promise you, they are serious about the kingdom of God. They are devoted and committed to the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God wants them to do. Mark that person. Heaven's attention. How many need family miracles? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Let's go to number two today. Number two, the miraculous provision of heaven is a reward of discipleship. The miraculous provision of heaven Listen to this, Psalms 37, 25. He says, David said, I have been young and now I'm old, but I have never, everybody shout never, I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Peter, we read it earlier. Peter said, we've left all to follow you. Jesus said, hold on one second. Everything you've left. Whether it is things, whether it is people, whether it is money, whether it is land, it don't matter what it is. Whether it's fishing holes or hunting holes, it really don't matter what it is. Whatever you have left for my name or the gospels, I will return to you 100 fold. He said, and it ain't just in heaven because that's religious talk. He said, I'll give it to you on this earth because I am a giver and I am not a taker. My God, I wish the church would give him a praise if you really believe that today. Hallelujah. I can't find one place in the Gospels where the disciples were hungry and didn't have no food. I can't find one place in the Gospels where Peter said, you know, my Jordans are talking to me. Jesus, my Jordans are flapping. My, my Jordans are talking in tongues. They are flapping on me right now. And Jesus says, well, I don't know what we're going to do. We don't have no money. I can't find one place where they needed some clothes and didn't get no clothes. I can't find one place where they needed some shelter and didn't get any shelter. I can't find one place where true disciples of Jesus Christ went without because Jesus knows how to bring miraculous provision to those who are disciples and to those who make disciples. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. This was so true and this was so powerful in the lives of the disciples that when Peter was confronted about a temple tax, Jesus didn't even allow him to go try to borrow or beg for the money. 
He said, get your bat, listen, get your bait caster and put your, uh, 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 put your black trick worm on, the, on it. He said, go out and cast that pole out and you're going to catch a bass. And when you bring the, I'm just paraphrasing, y'all stay with me. And when you bring the bass up, you're going to find a gold coin in that fish's mouth. It ain't going to be in another fish. It's going to be in that one. And go and pay mine in your temple tax. In other words, when you commit to making disciples and being a disciple, when you commit to my will, it's going to be my bill. You ain't got to worry about it, but what you have to focus on is committing to what I'm telling you to do. And get your eyes off your edible Get your eyes off yourself and get it on the kingdom and watch what I do for you. Hallelujah. Glory. This was so powerful. I got you another example. This was so powerful and so true that when the New Testament church gave itself to becoming disciples and making disciples, that the Bible says there was no one in the church that lacked anything. Now, we know this was at least 3,000 people, but it was more, but at least 3,000 because on the first day of the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up, 3,000 got born again. So what if, listen, what if we went around this congregation one by one and nobody had any lack? Nobody could stand up and say, I need this and don't have it. When the church began to make disciples in the end of Acts chapter 2, you will read this that no one lacked in Acts chapter 4. Nobody lacked anything because miraculous provision comes upon those who commit themselves to being disciples and making disciples. Hallelujah. Well, pastor, why is there so much lack in the church today? Because so so few churches disciple. Because so few believers believe in discipleship. They don't have time for it anymore. And God said, that's fine, but you need to understand that if you don't have time to be a disciple and you don't have time to make disciples, then you will not receive the miraculous provision of a disciple. Oh, Lord, I don't know where we're going today. Stay with me. Many ministries, many ministries only care about how many people show up on Sunday morning. They don't offer no opportunities for people to grow spiritually. They don't really even care. All they care about, how many people can we pack in there? And did you write a check today? Did you write some money today? And and if I don't hear from you, well, good, and you won't hear from me. That ain't this house. That is not this house. This house knows that we're going to stand before God one day. This house knows that we're going to answer for God one day. We're going to answer before God for you one day. And this house knows that, hey, we can't just treat people that way. We have to have moments and opportunities where you can learn to obey the commands of Christ. That's what discipleship is, learning to obey the commands of Christ. You don't automatically know the commands of Christ. If so, then why did he tell the disciples to go teach them? Hallelujah. Yes. 
Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In our present day, in, in our present time, we read this and we say, okay, that means that, that the presence of God is going to be with them always. And that is true. But I need you to understand the disciples had no concept of the presence of God at that time. They had no concept of that. So, so what, what, what's going through their minds when Jesus spoke this to them? Listen, watch this. They, they was thinking, everywhere we've been with Jesus and there was ever a need, it was miraculously provided for. So if Jesus tells me to make disciples and he's going to be with me, then that means that as long as I make disciples and I am a disciple, Everywhere I go, and a need presents itself, it's going to be miraculously provided for. Why? Because as long as I do this, he is with me everywhere I go, even to the ends of the age. So that means that if somebody needed a healing... Healing came. That means if somebody need deliverance, deliverance came. That means if there was 5,000 people and there was only five loaves and two fish, a miraculous provision came. They didn't have to worry about that. They only needed to concern themselves with the command of Christ. Oh, glory be to God. That's all they needed to concern themselves with. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hey, just stop for 30 seconds. Lift your hands real quick. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I command brain tumors to disappear now under the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' mighty name, go now. We rebuke it and we command it to leave now. In Jesus' name. And I command arthritis, arthritis in the back. I rebuke arthritis right now in the back. Somebody's got arthritis in their back. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Leave them now. Hallelujah. Healing come now in Jesus' name. Miracles come now. Whoever that is, you're feeling a warmth hit your back right now. God's healing you in Jesus' name. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me go on now. Hallelujah. Number three. Number three. Miraculous deliverance. Miraculous deliverance. The miraculous deliverance of heaven is a reward of discipleship. Now, I'm not just talking about demons getting out of folk. That's one part of deliverance. I'm talking about deliverance from, from stuff that you, that you can't do nothing about. I'm talking about God showing up when you don't even know who's going to show up. The Bible says in Psalms 34, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of all of them. Isaiah 54 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Mark 16 says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe is condemned, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. In 
my name they will speak with new tongues in my name they will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly it will by no means harm them miraculous deliverance is the reward of disciples hallelujah all throughout the Bible, the Lord promises protection to those who are his children. All throughout the Bible, the Lord defends those who obey his word and his commands. All throughout the Bible, the Lord fights for those who commit to doing his perfect will on the earth. And right now, there are people who are children of God. They love the Lord. They love the kingdom of God, but they are scared to death. There are many children of God who are full of fear because they think that they are at the mercy of Satan. Listen carefully. Many think that they are at the mercy of the hands of demon. Many people think that they're all over this nation right now. They think that they're at the mercy of the coronavirus. But I am here today to set the record straight. Children of the Most High God are not at the mercy of Satan. You are not at the mercy of demons. You are not at the mercy of the coronavirus. You are not at the mercy of any disease. You are not at the mercy of any attack of hell. But you're at the mercy of the Most High God. And David said, I would rather fall in the hands of a merciful God than in the hands of any man any day. I came to set the record straight. The devil is a liar. Get full of faith. Get full of the Holy Ghost and stand up and take your place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are not at the mercy of Satan. walking around acting like the devil can do whatever he wants to to you. The devil is a liar. If he could do anything he wanted to to you, he'd have been done, took you out. But you're still here. You're still breathing. You're still alive. You're still blessed. You're still powerful. You're still anointed. And you're still doing what God told you to do. Hallelujah. Come on and give the Lord a praise for about 10 seconds. You ain't at the mercy of the devil. Woo! Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. At the mercy of the devil. Who told you different? Who told you different? I get hot about it. Not at you, but at them devils. Told you different. And at the mercy of the devil. If you think the devil could do whatever he wanted to to me, I promise you I wouldn't be alive right now. I promise you I'd be dead. I promise you I'd be in prison. I promise you I'd be broke as a joke and couldn't buy a Coke. I promise you I'd be without. I promise you I'd be sick. I promise you I'd be depressed. I promise you I wouldn't even have my own mind. But I stand here today as a testimony of grace, of the power of God, of the blood of Jesus, and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and say, devil, you can't touch me because the blood of Jesus is upon me. That's why. Hallelujah. That's why we sing songs about the blood. That's why we declare the blood. 
when they, when they were up here singing that praise and worship early and they were going, the blood of Jesus. That was powerful. The blood of Jesus. Devils were falling off of you. Depression was leaving your life. Sickness was going off of you. Restoration was happening in you. Yeah, your mind was being restored. Why? The blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Miraculous deliverance. They said, Peter, the, the church leader is in prison. And they already done killed James. And they say they're going to kill Peter. But the church said, not this time. Not on my watch. And some intercessors got together. And the Bible says that fervent prayer went up before the Lord. And Peter's in the prison. And he's shackled. He's got 12, 12 guards making sure don't nothing happen to him. And he's shackled to these guards. And the angel of the Lord walks in, doesn't open a door, just walks through the door. And touches the shackles and they fall off of it. He kicks Peter on the side said, get up. We got to get out of here. Why? Because there's a gospel to preach. They're disciples to make and there's a kingdom to advance hallelujah and when you get your mind on these things the deliverance of the Lord is on your side glory the deliverance of the Lord is on your side so if you're about making disciples and you're about becoming disciples you're about being disciples right now if you've got a prodigal out there that's got a crack pipe in their mouth Say, devil, take your hands off of them. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, and deliverance is mine. Right now, if you're, if you're about making disciples and being a disciple, and you don't know what to do, you need a financial miracle, you tell them, devil, get your hands off my pocketbook. There is a financial miracle. I am being delivered from this debt right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You ain't at the mercy of the devil. Hallelujah. Who told you different? Tell them to come see me. <laughs> Tell them to come see me. I promise you, they just don't know what they're talking about. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I feel like I might finish today. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord one more praise in the house of God. Everybody say miraculous deliverance. It's mine. In Jesus' name. It's also my family's. Because I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, hallelujah. And I could preach about Paul and Silas if I wanted to right now. Being in a prison. Well, you know, I know of people that wasn't delivered from prison, so they're not the authoritative word of God. <laughs> this Bible is. People say, I'm going to say it one more time. The experience of other people is not the authoritative word of God. This is the authoritative word of God. Hallelujah. Oh, I felt the religious devil lead too. Watch this. Miraculous, number four, miraculous revelation. Everybody say miraculous revelation. Miraculous revelation from heaven is a reward of a disciple. Matthew 16, 
Jesus came to him and he said, who do men say that I am? They said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered to him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. You didn't get it out of a book you read. You didn't get it out of a series. You didn't get it out of a sermon. You done spent some time with God somewhere. And he said, also, I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it, and I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Many people want the revelation of heaven, but don't want to commit to the commands of heaven. Many people want the power of heaven, but they don't want to commit to the work of heaven. Many people want the benefits of the kingdom, but don't want to commit to the task of the kingdom. And I'm just telling you, it don't come that way. God ain't giving you power so you can act like you're a magician. God ain't giving you power so you could glorify yourself. God didn't give you power so you could put an S on your chest and get, get away from the rest. God gave you power so Jesus Christ could be glorified and you could do the work of the kingdom of God in the earth and the kingdom could be advanced in the earth. That's why God gave you power. Hallelujah. Church, I believe that this is, watch this. I believe, I believe it is not a coincidence that Peter was the first one to get this revelation from Jesus. He was the first one to get this revelation from heaven. Because if you'll research it back, he was the first one to say yes. He was the first disciple. Search the Gospels. We don't have time to go through them right now. Search the Gospels. He was the first one to say, okay, I'll become a disciple. Hallelujah. Miraculous revelation from heaven is the reward of becoming a disciple. It is the reward of making disciples. Hallelujah. Now think about this church. Oh, praise the Lord. Think about this. He says, and I'm going to give you the keys. The keys. Now I need you to grab this. I'm going to give you the keys not to the kingdom. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. There's a difference. This thing hit me like a ton of bricks this morning in prayer. There's a difference between the keys of the kingdom and the keys to the kingdom. Stay with me. Now, if I was to tell someone, I was like, if I was to tell uh, Pastor Jason, Pastor Jason, here are the keys to my house. While we are away... Go by, check on the house, make sure things are good. Make sure things are okay, and if, something, if I need something, you know, you, you have the keys to the house. Everybody say, to the house. So that means he can come in, but he has limited access. He has limited access. But if I turn to my son, Jeshua, and I say, here, son, here are the keys of the house. That means that he has, that he does, it's not limited access. That means he has, that means that I'm not expecting for him to go and come. That means that he's a son in the house. And that he has the keys to every place in the house. Because he has the keys of the house. Stay with me right here. He, my son knows where my guns are. 
Yes, I am promoting the Second Amendment to its fullness. Don't try to come take them either. Try Jesus. Don't try me. That's all I got to tell you. Amen. My son knows, he knows what room has the guns in my house. He knows how to get to them. He has access to them. But with that, stay with me. Now, I'm talking about keys of the kingdom. See, the difference between keys of the kingdom and keys to the kingdom, if you have keys to something, that means you have knowledge about it. If you have keys of something, that means you have a revelation of it. So he has keys of the house. That means he has keys to that place. But the reason, he had, the reason he knows where keys are to that place is because he has a revelation that I don't go in there and touch them without daddy. Now watch this. That revelation grants him access. This is what Jesus was talking about. When he said, you got to have not just knowledge, but you got to have a revelation. And if you have a revelation, I give you not keys to it, but I give you keys of it. That means you can move in and out through, move all in the kingdom as you need to and access what you need to. Now watch this. If somebody comes over and tries to go into that room, then he has a revelation. You can't touch that room. Why? Because he already knows what my heart is about that. This is what he's talking about when you got keys of the kingdom. That there are people that when you get keys of the kingdom, you know what the father wants and you know what the father doesn't want. You know what the father allows and you know what the father doesn't allow. You know what the father allows in the house and you know what the father does not allow in the house. And this is what he's talking about to disciples. Hallelujah. He knows who is and who ain't supposed to come in. He knows what room. You want to know where the challenges are in the church in many places right now? People have sold their keys. Glory be to God. God gave them keys of the kingdom. And because somebody came in and said, I'll offer you money to let me in that room. I'll offer you positions, let me in that room. I'll offer you this, let me in that room. But true sons and daughters, not on my watch. Not on my watch. Glory be to God. Let me tell you something. Disciples. and Those who are disciples and those who make disciples. They, uh, they have miraculous revelation. I've often been asked how in the world... Did I grow so fast in the Lord? That ain't to boast on me. If you know me, that ain't boasting on me because I know me before Christ. And the only thing good in me is him. How did you grow so fast in the Lord? How, how, how is it that you became a pastor after just seven years of being saved? And I don't believe that God loves me more than anyone else. I, I don't believe that, I don't believe that I'm... Uh, just, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a genius, but <laughs> what are y'all laughing about? But 
I speak those things that are not as though they are, but... But what I'm trying to say is I don't believe I was academically inclined any more than anybody else. Um, I don't believe that God done something supernaturally for me that he won't do for somebody else. I believe I grew so fast in the Lord because no one told me to say no to discipleship. No one told me, don't, don't go to a small group. No one told me, man, you ain't got time for that. You see, when I got born again, can I testify for a minute? When I got born again, man, I got born again. I'm talking about a Damascus road experience. I'm talking about riding on a horse and getting knocked off and seeing light. I got messed up by Jesus. Watch this. And while I was at the altar, it hit me that for nine years I'd been a soldier of Satan. For nine years, I wasn't just somebody who hung on the sidelines with him. I played in the game. That for nine years, he had used me to destroy lives and families, marriages. So when Jesus said, hey, I'll take you, you have no idea because I had nothing to offer him. When he said, I'll forgive you, it blew my mind. When he said, I can use you, I was amazed. And when he spoke audibly to me at that altar that day, I couldn't believe it. I had only repented for 30 minutes and Jesus spoke audibly. One of the only two times I've ever heard the audible voice of God in my life. And he spoke audibly. He said, I called you to preach. Talking about discipleship, stay with me. This so changed me that I didn't ask any questions. I didn't doubt anything. Oh, Lord, give us childlike faith back. I didn't doubt anything. I didn't ask nobody why. Why you come to church? I didn't ask nobody. All I knew is I didn't have nothing to offer, and he took me anyway. So for God to do something like this, deserve my all. For God to take somebody who can't offer him nothing, A.D., and he still took you anyway, Here's my all, God. So when folks said, we have Wednesday night service, you're to be there. Yes, sir. I didn't ask why. Why am I going to ask why? So when someone said, hey, you need to be in a discipleship class? Okay, no problem. I didn't ask why. Someone told me to fast and pray? Okay, let's fast and pray. I did not ask why. I didn't even care. All I knew is that I was once lost. But now I'm found. I was once on my way to hell, but now I'm on my way to heaven. 
Hallelujah. I once didn't have nothing, but now I've gained eternity in heaven. Hallelujah. Somebody said show up to a men's ministry. I showed up to a men's ministry. I didn't know what I was showing up for. Just showed up. Hallelujah. This is what God said. Glory be to God. And church, I believe that God used that childlike faith and grew me leaps and bounds all because I wouldn't say no to discipleship. I didn't know to say no. I didn't know to say I don't have time. I didn't know to say, man, ain't nobody studying that. And I'm afraid that some of us have forgotten where God has brought us from. Oh, I wept while I, 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 turned, I, while I wrote this sermon. I wept before God. I ain't ashamed to say it. Facebook land, I wept before God. Because I remember what it was like. I believe some of us have forgotten because when the kingdom calls now, we don't have time for it. And I was in prayer and I felt the Holy Spirit say to them, he said, Ask the church this. Who told you that your time was yours? Who told you it belonged to you? And that hit me. Hey, I answered my own altar call. Who told you your time was yours? The Bible says, Lord, teach me to number my days. God, I need to know how to number my days and make the best of them because they're not mine, they're yours. My time is not mine, it's yours. It don't even belong to me. I was bought at a high price. I don't even belong to me. Who told you your time was yours? Oh, dear Lord. Many of us should be dead by now. Matter of fact, if you believe, and you don't have to lie, but if you believe you should be dead by now, if Jesus hadn't found you, just raise your hand. Many of us should be in prison for the rest of our lives. Many of us should be on the streets begging for our next fix. Many of us should have our names on gravestones somewhere because of the suicide attempts. Many of us should, be, should still be depressed. Many of us should still be addicted in chains. Many of us should still be in a dark cave because of what happened to us as a child. But God. But God in his mercy looked down and decided to free you by the blood, decided to free you by his son, decided to free you by the Holy Ghost, decided to call you in the ministry, decided to bless you with everything that was stole from you, decided to take your mourning and turn it into joy, decided to take your depression and give you happiness again, decided to take your death and give you life again, decided to take your divorce and give you a marriage again, Restored your kids, restored your family, restored your finances. My God, he deserves your discipleship. 
Hallelujah. Don't you remember what it was like when you used to cry because you couldn't keep the needles out of your arm? Don't you remember what it was like when you went home to an empty house because the wife and kids have left? Don't you remember what it was like when you couldn't ride by a liquor store and not stop in? Don't you remember what it was like when you couldn't open up the computer at 2 o'clock in the morning? Don't you remember what it was like when you was left all by yourself? Don't you remember? He just sent me to remind you. That's all. And I can do greater things than these if you'll commit to me and surrender to me and submit to me. I am not done with your life. I have just begun in your life. So submit to me to this day and I will give you my rest says the Spirit of the Lord. Come on up, Molly. Ah, God just sent me here to remind some people today. And don't you remember? Your time's not yours, it's His. I have decided, don't you remember that? To follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. Listen to what he says. The cross before me and the world behind me. The cross before me and the world behind me. The cross before me and the world behind me. No turning back. No turning. turning back no turning back everything hallelujah I told y'all stand just for a minute if you're physically able I told the church Wednesday night I remember what it was like probably for the first three or four months I had borrowed clothes on (laughs) or you know hand-me-downs y'all I didn't care Man, I didn't care. The pants are too big for me. The sports jacket swallowed me up. <laughs> the, the sleeves were too long, way down here on my fingers. 
because I didn't have no, I, I wanted to, I, I didn't, I wasn't coming dressed up for nobody. I just wanted to look my best to come in the house of God. That's all. I just wanted to do that. I wasn't trying to appeal to nobody. I wasn't trying to impress nobody. I just wanted, I just wanted to come look my best in the house of God. That's all. And I had borrowed clothes on. They asked me to be an usher. The sports jacket they gave me, it was like this. It swallowed me up. I didn't care. They wanted Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday night, Monday night, Thursday. I didn't care. All I knew is all I know now. I ain't there no more. I ain't there no more. And if I, Lord, you want me to pick up a cross and walk, then that shall be it. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Can I have 10 more minutes? Let me tell you where this song was wrote and then we're done. A man that was a missionary went to, uh, went to India. Didn't have anybody getting saved. It was hard ground. Finally, one, of the com- one person of a village got saved. One person. That's it. Years of preaching. One person got saved. And that one man, he got so radically saved, he said, my God, I want to do everything I can to preach the gospel. I'm going back to my village to preach. He goes back to his village to preach the gospel. He has him and his wife and two sons. He starts preaching in the village. The the man who's over the village, the, the village priest or whatever you would call him, comes to him and says, you stop preaching, you deny Jesus now. I'm going to kill your kids. He says... I have decided to follow Jesus. As he got that word out, they put an arrow through his first son's heart. His son fell to the ground, blood pouring out on the ground. Says, you deny this Jesus. I'm gonna kill your next kid. The man draws back the bow. He says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The arrow slings, hits his next son in the heart. He falls on top of his other. And while blood is still pouring down on the ground, coming by him and his wife's feet, he says, you deny this Jesus or I'm going to kill your wife. He says, the cross before me and the world behind me. They draw back the bow, send it through his wife's heart. And she falls right there on top of, right there by her sons. And while blood is still pouring down the ground, coming down by his feet, he says, either you deny him or you're next. He says, I have decided. I have made up my mind to follow Jesus. And though none go with me, yet I still 
will follow. The arrow is released, kills him. But the village is so radically, radically impressed by their faith in Christ. By their coming to make disciples and be disciples. That the whole village, including the priest, gets saved. Radically transformed by the power of God. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that when you commit to this, you have no idea the impact that you will have and that your family will have because we have decided to follow Jesus. Facebook, thank you. YouTube, thank you for watching today. If you need Jesus in your life, you need to repent of your sins right now. How do you repent? You hit your knees and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins. And by faith, I receive you today. And I thank you. You are my Lord and you're my Savior. Listen, we want you to do, if you need prayer, just go on the little chat line. We'll pray for you. We want to know about your decision to follow Jesus today. We want to help you. If you're anywhere in the South Atlanta area, we want you to come to this church. Help, let us help you become a disciple and make disciples today. Thank you for watching. All across this. We pray you were blessed by today's message. For more content and to get to know us better, download our app at AbundantLifeChurch.com.